Hello, She Did It Her Way listeners. This is Amanda Bolin, your host of the She Did It Her Way podcast. So thankful you guys are joining us on this Monday at noon. We are speaking to Kim Harrod, who is the CEO and founder of Keepsake, which I'll have her dive more into that. It's an online app that allows you to take photos and create photo albums. It's really exciting and really cool, but I brought her on today to share with us what does it take and what's the journey of creating an app and working in tech, specifically because this is where a lot of things are going. Tech is becoming even bigger than what it already is. So without further ado, Kim, welcome to the show. Hi, Amanda. It's so great to be here and I'm excited to talk with you and share with your listeners my experience coming out of corporate America and uh, starting my own company, which is a mobile application. And my company is called Keepsake. It's spelled K-E-E-P-S-A-Y-K. So it's a play on the word keepsake. And it's the instant scrapbook of your life. It's an iPhone app that lets you create beautiful, shareable scrapbooks right from your phone. You can use photos, videos, text, captions. You can share via text or email with a password if you like, or Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, and it could be viewed on any device, so phone, tablet, computer. And it's really for all of us who are time-starved but experience-rich and have all these great memories to capture but don't have the time. I, and that's so so true with the so many pictures we're taking so many pictures these days so what are you what are you most excited about today well I think for the company for keepsake we're very excited because we're going to be launching what I describe as keepsake 2.0 coming up this summer at blog her 2015 it's July 17th and 18th in New York City and I'm not sure if you're familiar with blog her Amanda but it's an amazing conference that's focused on um, social publishing, so blogging, and it's sort of what I would call the premier conference for the new women's web. So super engaged, vibrant community of bloggers and creators, and um, the women who come to this conference cover everything from food and fashion to parenting and lifestyle. So it's going to be the perfect place for a keepsake to introduce our new streamlined editing interface and we'll also be offering beginning to offer collaboration on scrapbooks so uh, we're at the party together I invite you to start to join my scrapbook and we're posting pictures and videos together so it's a great way for a group of people to capture an experience and share it and then our my most favorite thing is you can one click from your phone or the web order a printed hardbound scrapbook Oh my gosh. So super easy. No more hours spent pulling your hair out on your desktop, you know, <laughs> building, building an album and then having your computer crash and you've already had one bottle of wine and you can't take it anymore. So oh, no one drinks wine. What are you getting? <laughs> no, we all need that. But so you're going to be, that's a, that's very exciting to be a blogger. What, tell us, so take us back. I love your background story about where you were, and where you spent majority of your career at and then what pulled you out of it to launch Keepsake? Sure. So my career has been in finance. I um, first went in investment banking and then I was in corporate development for a couple of years here in Chicago. I 
was in a little bit of the venture capital side during the first, we'll call the first internet wave back in um, 2000. And we all know what happened with that. <laughs> so shortly after that, I um, jumped into middle market buyouts and I spent the last decade working here in Chicago doing uh, investing in middle market companies, um, working on deals and raising money. We raised three funds. Um, I was at Arbor Investments here in Chicago. So that was, you know, I would say your classic uh, professional experience as a woman in a male-dominated yeah. industry. And it can be very challenging, um, especially when you're, say, juggling what I'll call real life with your career life. I am a parent. I have four young children. What? Um, three are elementary school age, and then I have a preschooler. So I can tell you, it's sort of funny when, when I, you know, when you hear about lean in, and I think of it more as just hang on, you know, just, <laughs> well, just hold on tight. And, you know, the days that you think you can't get up, just, just get up, get dressed, and, and go and do that thing you're supposed to do. So basically, you know, you, you find yourself, I think, you know, you're working long days and it, it can end up being, you know, where you come to a point where you're doing a lot of soul searching and thinking, well, I can stay on this path, um, you know, keep climbing this ladder. But, you know, uh, frankly, in a lot of fields, you know, the ladder is isn't always a ladder to somewhere. So I think for a lot of women, if you have an idea and you have, you know, just any thought of wanting to take on your own path that you, you know, you take that leap. And so I decided I was going to leave and we had just finished raising our third fund and I decided to uh, go out and found my company because I honestly had so as you can guess from having had four kids while I was working in private equity I never had enough time to do anything so my first two I had a baby book I had a you know calendar oh my, gosh. my third child I think there was no baby book I think I started a calendar I would you know jot down notes about things that she did my my youngest daughter forget it nothing and so I thought to myself oh my gosh I have this phone. I, it's with me 24-7. Why can't I be using this phone to capture all these great moments and create the story of their lives as I go along? Because really, there wasn't time to sit down and you know, make albums or you know, make scrapbooks, although I love, love the idea and I love people who you know, can make themselves do that because it's, it's beautiful. So that was really how Keepsake was born, that I thought I need something to capture all these experiences so that I can have them forever or I can share them and they look beautiful and it looks like I spent a lot of time doing it, but I created something beautiful without trying and Keepsake was born. So when you, okay, so tell us about you, you left and you were the vice president. So I. I was, so I was pretty, at that point, yeah. <laughs> I had a pretty senior point, was part of the, the general partner. So, um, so yeah, it was a huge leap for me to take. And how did you... Level. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, you, you have to have faith 
in yourself. And I would say this to, to bet on yourself. I mean, that, that is, there's no one else in the world who can be you, who can be the individual you are. Um, so, but as a corollary to that, I would say, you know, think, think about what you want to do and start doing the groundwork and laying, laying down the foundation for it, doing the research. You know, you don't have to wake up today and say, oh gosh, I can't, you know, go to job X one more day. You can say, okay, you know what? I have this idea. I'd really love to do, you know, this thing. And you can, you know, spend some time doing, doing some research around that whether it's on the internet or talking to some people who are in that field or who've done something like it or who've just gone down their own entrepreneurial path. What, what were some of the things that you were doing, if any, while you were still at Arbor Investments? Yeah, so, you know, obviously that was a very full-time intense experience. So it, it wasn't that I was able to devote you know, my business time to it, but, you know, you can do on your own time, some initial, um, start, start mapping out what you want to do. And I would say, um, definitely start talking to people who you think you might want to work with. And, and, you know, if, if I had to lay out a roadmap for someone who wants to, you know, really start any kind of company, but, um, in this case, say, you know, you have an idea for an app and you'd like to eventually develop it into a full-fledged company that you run full-time, you can start by taking what I'll call just, just some very simple steps. So I would start by writing an executive summary about what it is you want to do. And you could even write it as, as a press release. You know, think about what if you were announcing this great new product or idea or business or company that you have the idea for in your head? How, how would you write it in just one page? So you can so mentally focus yourself on what it is you'd like to try to do. And honestly, I can say, I would recommend that anyone who wants to start a tech company um, look for a co-founder. It, it, is, it is tough to go it alone in tech. And, and that's, that's something I would tell um, a man or a woman who is starting a company in tech. And, and when you get down the path where you're, if you decide to raise money, whether it's um, angel seed and, and even getting down towards institutional capital, having a co-founder is viewed as a very large positive. And it's someone to, to serve as a sounding board and to you know, bounce ideas off of. So that, that is a definite, definite thing to think about. Yeah. What, for you then too, you, you left finance and how did you immerse yourself and get familiar with tech? So tell us about that and everything that you learned and like the whole new language that I, that came with it. it and it's definitely a challenge. So my background wasn't technical. I, it was finance. And so I'd built you know, plenty of models and done plenty of financial analysis along the way, but tech's an entirely different thing. And so I would say, first of all, do not be discouraged if you're not a programmer. Um, you can succeed without having had technical background. Um, I would say uh, the, the second biggest um, 
thing to do, though, is to begin to learn to speak that language. So you can, and, and there's lots of ways to go about it. So I did a class at Starter League here in Chicago, which is a code school. And I, I studied HTML and CSS, which is a front-end development for the web. Now, applications for the phone are, is an entirely different thing. So that language, the iPhone, the programming language is um, Swift. Um, it's an objective. Uh, objective C would be, um, it's probably another similar term you've heard to describe iOS programming. But, um, and then of course, you know, Keepsake is not yet an Android app, but um, Android has its own um, programming language as well. You can at least get yourself in a programming mindset um, by whether it's a, uh, it's an online course. So there's lots of great online courses out there. I could point to, um, there's Ed2Go online and um, College of DuPage here locally in Chicago offers lots of great courses on mobile development and programming that you can do on your own time. Uh, as well as uh, Northwestern here in Chicago has a mobile development program. Um, and there's you know always new code schools coming up. There's one called Code Abode opening here in Chicago in June, and they're going to be focused on all sorts of programming, but also mobile dev. Um, they're going to have a healthcare focus, but um, anyone can take classes there. So I would say that you should make an effort to, you don't have to be a program, you don't have to learn to code, but when you begin to build your team, whether you build a team or whether you work with uh, what I would call a development shop or a third you know, party developer to create the prototype or build your, um, the first version of your product, which, you know, it's typically called the MVP minimum viable product. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to quick insert really quick when you, so there's all these things that people can do to get familiar with the language and tech and for you and your journey with keepsake, how did you, like, what was the first thing that you had to do? You're like, I have this. And then you had to map out the MVP. So, like, what was that process and what does that look like? So, I did not have a, a lot of design background. And also, the second most important thing is, <laughs> is, is knowing, um, is having a sense for design. I mean, I had a great personal sense for it. At, in, in my private equity days, I did a lot of work. For our firm, basically, you know, was the person who was chief, chief this and that. I, I ended up creating the website and um, doing a lot of, of things that were sort of marketing focused. So I, I worked with some great firms that were great at design, and I had that. I knew what good design looked at, but I looked like, but I wasn't a designer myself. So when I recruited my co-founder, that's what I looked for was someone who was great at design because the first thing that I needed to do was take the idea, the, the description of it, and translate it into wireframes. So literally, and what's a wireframe? A wireframe is a sketch. It's basically a series of sketches of what your app will do and what it will look like. And you can do this yourself. This is actually a good thing to do. It's, it's hard, but we've all used apps and you can look at what where you would start so if you 
opened up the app for the idea you have, actually make physical sketches in the shape of a phone of each of those screens and, and you know, draw lines as to where you would go from A to B, etc. Now, at some point, you will need someone who, who is a designer, who, is, who can make things beautiful. And it could, because good design, it should be effortless. It should feel effortless. So, you know, there's, when you think of an app, your favorite apps, for example, things that feel easy to use, they, they look good, they're easy to use, and, and you enjoy them, they're usually apps that are well-designed. And, and so that is, uh, is something you will definitely want to spend some time on. So for me, recruiting a co-founder who was, his, um, his skill set was in design, was a hugely important thing. So f- we began working on wireframes. And the second thing we did was develop user stories. So a user story is basically if I wrote a story about someone who would be using my app. So I wrote several user stories. I wrote one about um, a time-starved mom who is was somewhat based off myself, who had lots of things she wanted to capture, wished she had time to make scrapbooks. And so I fleshed out who this person is, how they would use the app. And, and I made several profiles like that. One of them I did was a military mom who's stationed over her husband was in the Navy and she's working overseas. And, and so she's, you know, raising her kids, you know, away from her family. And she wanted to do more than just post pictures to Facebook, but it took a lot of time to use, you know, desktop solutions to make photo albums. So, I would say that will help you crystallize who is your target user, who, who would want to use your app and help you crystallize the, what I would call the, the core feature set of your app. What should it do? Because one of the things you get, you can sort of go down a rabbit hole as a, when you're building an app is you want it to do everything. You, know, you have in your head this, this beautiful, huge vision of what it should do. And when you start getting down into the coding, you realize it's complicated and it's hard and simple things aren't, you know, always simple. And it's, so it's tough to, to really boil it down. But I would encourage you as you work through your wireframes and user stories to really think about, okay, if, if someone says my app can do, do this thing, that would be success. So for me, it was that someone could create a scrapbook and share it and soon be able to print that scrapbook. And that like for you, this, that was the success. And I've never heard of the user story before. That is really interesting. What, so when you did the MVP, MVP. um, tell us, I know, I know it stands for, you said minimum viable product. Is, does that mean that someone could actually download it and it's usable, or what does that mean? Well, so so it could actually be. I would say, before you get to the MVP, you you have a prototype. So I would say, so the next stage, you've got what I would call your your vision, which you've crystallized as as a in an executive summary or your or your press release. You've got some wireframes. You've you've thought about your user stories and and who's you know who this app is for, that you 
you build a prototype. And, and this comes from personal, I would say, the hard knock school of experience because I first went down the path being non-technical founder of hiring a development firm and sitting down with them and saying, here's what I want to do. You know, here's the wireframes. This is what I want you to build. And it would seem to be, yeah, on the face of it, a simple thing, but it's really not. And, and what I ended up getting back, didn't, it didn't work and it didn't um, do the job. So I ended up having to switch gears and I recruited my own team. So I, I went and brought in a person to do the app, someone to do the, the front end. So Keepsake has a, a whole front end website of it. So if I share a scrapbook to you, Amanda, you can view it on any device because you're viewing it on the web. So we, we have that side of it. And so I recruited my own team. But even before you would get to that point, you can, there, there are a lot of great tools now where you can build a prototype of an app. It's often using other apps that are just for that purpose. And what? What are those? Yeah, yeah. So there's one called App Cooker. There are so many. And, and if any of your listeners would like to get an idea of some of the options, I, I'm happy to provide a, a, you know, a summary of you know, a handful of ones they can try. Yeah. But, and, and that's constantly evolving. There's always new tools you know, coming up. And, but you can use apps to create what I call a very rudimentary prototype of your app. So wow. it's clickable. So, you, so I could you know, say, hey, Amanda, you know, this is what, it, what I want it to look like and feel like. And the person can actually click on on the phone. You can actually, you know, show it on the phone and demo it and start to get a sense for, you know, what it would feel like to use. That's and, so crazy. Yeah. And it's, it's, <laughs> it's now, so trust bad. me, it's somewhat painful at, you know, when you're you're showing someone a version of something that is in your mind's eye, you know, nowhere near what you'd like it to be. But it's it's a way for you at least to start to visualize what it should look like and what it should do. And it won't be beautiful and it won't be um, what I would call skinned. So, you know, it won't have that designer's touch where it's, you know, your coloring and your branding and et cetera. But it at least creates a sort of living, breathing thing you can start to work with and... And, and that's sort of, I would say, the, a continuum. So that can, that's a prototype. It's not a, a functioning app. It's not written native to the iPhone or correspondingly for uh, Android. But it, it's something that you can now use when you're, even when you're starting to recruit people to work with you. Because, you know, part of what you're going to have to do is sell people on the idea for the business and what you'd like to build and you know and everyone everyone wants you know everyone to be excited about it so i think visuals are really great so that, to the extent you're able to show someone and even wireframes can do that however so i wouldn't say you have to have a clickable prototype you know you can you can let someone get the feel of where you're going with wireframes as well mm. that's that, yeah, that's interesting. So what are, talking about apps, what 
share with us like your knowledge and what you've experienced that what is the benefit to having an app for in general and for like your company if people are listening and it's like I don't have an app but I might think about it so what are the benefits to it well I would say first and foremost the world is is going mobile and you know we're really just at the beginning of that revolution I mean the iPhone really hasn't been around all that long. So um, I would say that you, you could decide that you would say, okay, I'll, I'll just work on a web version of whatever my idea is. And some ideas would naturally lend themselves just to web. But I would say that to, to strongly consider a mobile-first approach, and that was what we decided to do with Keepsake from the outset, was we would develop first and foremost, to make it super easy to use on the phone. That, And I always joked, if I can't use it with my toddler on my hip with one hand, it's too hard. Mm. So, so it, focusing on mobile for us was a point of differentiation that, you know, there's, there's lots of ways to share a single photo or video, but it's really hard to share a story. It's really hard to create a story in words and in photos and videos from your phone that looks beautiful. So that was was why we focused on that so uh, creating the app i mean how much does it cost to i mean i i know that the more detailed it, it probably runs it but i mean like what is the average cost of an app wow so this is kind of a tricky question because yeah. it, it it really depends on wh- which path you go down so let's say you've done a whole bunch of this foundational work and you've got wireframes or you know you've got a prototype but now you've got to take it to the next level which would be that that actual uh, minimum viable product something that you launch in the app store or um, on Android depending on what platform you're building on so there's really two paths to go down the third path is if you already have the technical background to code your app yourself and in that case you know you you your path will be way cheaper because you you don't have to pay anyone to help you so let's i'm going to focus on the the two paths available to the non-technical founder like myself and the first path would be to work with a development shop um there are you know development for hire there are hundreds i mean it's I think it's sort of like the, uh, the, the fashionable career of the moment. And, and actually, it can be a great career because a lot of people want flexibility. And you know, I would say for women who want, to start, want a career where they could work on lots of projects and manage their own time, learning to, to program, it's, it's a, great, a great path. I, I wish I knew how to, uh, to um, code native to the iPhone. I may someday, but... <laughs> So, so you can start down a path where you can work with a third-party developer. I would say that you you would want to you would want to be very very careful about who you choose. I would I would definitely want to see ex- examples of previous work that is as close is possible to what your idea is. So if, you know, you're looking to build an app that's food related 
and you're going to need a, a back-end database because you want people to be able to enter their email, their emails or profiles and get recommendations, you're going to need, that's actually pretty heavy lifting because a lot of what we do on the phone relies on what I call a back end. So some, some smart um, servers that you know, serve up the information that is relevant to your, you know, what you're doing in the app. Um, so you know, Amanda, you'll see your scrapbooks, I see mine, and if I share one to you, you, you see it exactly as I created it um, right on your desktop or your phone or your iPad. Well, there's, there's plumbing that it takes sort of behind the scenes to do that. And that's what is called server side or, you know, server architecture and backend development. So if you go with a third party, you're going to need someone who can provide you, you know, sort of the, the whole 360 degrees of, of what your app would need to be successful. So, um, you know, one thing that you could do and, and, this is one thing that I wish I would have done before I went down the path of um, looking to build out the MVP was if I had taken a class like a mobile development class, even if it's a basic one, because at least then you, you know the pieces that you need. So when you're interviewing potential developers, you can, you know, you, you can ask for and ask the right questions and understand what they say and what they what they can and can't do, um, but it's a it's a definitely a viable way to you know get your app off the ground, and so that should definitely be something that you consider and keep in your toolkit. The other option is to recruit your people to work with you on the project. So you want to build an app, so you would want to have someone who can code. Um, native to whatever platform you want to work on. So you'd need someone, for example, Keepsake, we knew we wanted to launch with iOS. So um, I ended up recruiting someone who would focus just on that. And, you know, that becomes, it can be trickier because you've got you've to rely on, you know, I think to some degree making connections with people who are working in the tech space and oftentimes people who maybe have given you some advice or have become advisors to you who can connect you to the people who might be good fits for you because it's got to be someone that you you just want to spend time with mm-hmm. and and have, you know, who, who do you want to go to work with every day? So it, it's sort of like dating in that respect. It's, it's <laughs> That is a whole nother topic. It is. It is. So <laughs> but, we won't, we don't have time for that today, but I know I need to bring a love expert on here. Anyway, see, I told you squirrel, but, um, okay. So it obviously takes a decent amount of change to start up. Tell us about, um, like at a high level, brief us on your process to get funded? Did you put in your own money? Did you get it matched? The VCs, the seed funding, like all that stuff. Sure. Well, I started out with some capital of my own. Um, not, not a ton, but enough to get things going. So, but from there I knew that I was going to have to have more money to actually, if 
my initial approach was to hire a third-party developer, but that we switched gears and we decided to go with our own team. So either strategy requires money, um, you know, your particular, whatever your particular app is, I would say, I mean, some people can get started with, you know, twenty-five or fifty thousand dollars. I, I think it can depend on the situation. But if you're, if you're going to be going where you expect to do iterations of your product and be launching new features, and and if there's a lot of data requirements on the back end, you're probably going to need more capital. You know, you might want to have. Over time, you may need to raise five hundred thousand, a million, or and eventually, you know, most Series A rounds. So Series A is there's sort of a path of of capital raising. You've probably heard uh, angel round or seed round. Um, that would be the the initial money that would go into your company at an early stage when you've maybe just really got it at the idea stage and, and the prototype stage. And some people may have, have a, an MVP, but it, you, you're in that sort of full startup mode. Farther down the line, when you've got more users and you've got some, um, some market traction and, and more experience behind you, that's when you would start thinking about doing an institutional round, which is what I would call a venture capital round with professional investors, because um, that that's would be at a higher a higher number. I mean, typically you're starting to look at you know one to five million, and of course you've you know there are plenty of rounds for more mature growth companies start you know coming in much higher than that. But you know you can you, you would probably just need to look at what you need to get started. And, and one way to do that would be to interview some third-party developers and, you know, based on what you'd like to build, see what kind of estimates you're getting to do that. Um, if you're going to have people work just with you on your idea, you may be able to recruit someone to be a co-founder or to work for equity, in which case you wouldn't be necessarily spending that spending money on the coding side or the programming side of your app um, usually there's something you're going to have to spend money on though so mm -hmm. unless you're going to be able to and because not everybody can work for work for equity which is you know basically working for uh, the future the future upside and no current income sure but it's, uh, there is actually a really great program that's offered. It's an entrepreneurial education series. It's uh, being run by Hyde Park Angels at 1871, which is the, um, I guess we describe it as the, uh, an incubator slash startup ecosystem in Chicago. And there's going to be a program on June 17th called Early Stage Investment 101, and it would be, anyone can go. Um, it's, it's, you don't have to be a member of 1871, but they're going to talk about um, what the differences are between the funding stages, seed, series A, um, who, who are the right investors, how you find them. And these are the kind of things I would encourage you if, you're, if, you've, if you've already started or you're just getting into 
the research phase, but you know you want to form a company around your app, that you just start going and listening to, because that's part of the education process is really, you know, there's the, the business side of it or the, the creative side of it and the, the programming side of it, but there's also a business side of it that the more you know and understand, the better off you'll be. And you'll have a chance to start meeting people in the tech ecosystem because really that's part of it as well. You know, if, you, if you're going to an event, you may meet someone who may be able to recommend you someone to talk to about, you know, joining your team or helping you with marketing or whatever piece of your puzzle you need to, to solve. Mm-hmm. And what, for you, what's been the most fun about your journey with Keepsake? Wow, there's that been, surprised you the most. There's been there's <laughs> been so many. There's I, there's been a lot of great things. There's been a lot of ups and downs. I would say that I what's a high high and what's a low low. <laughs> I I would say our our high high was reaching getting our product launched in the app store. We did what we what I call an MVP, so minimum viable product. It was it was the you know a working version of keepsake in the in the iPhone app store and that was we focused on Tech Week Chicago last summer for that so that was a huge milestone for us and I can tell you that even just in in the spring we we'd been working on the product and trying to get it finished and I felt like it was never going to happen and you know every day you think well we've, we've got to fix that or we need this and we need to tweak that or this isn't working and you think you're just you're never going to launch it and you're never going to get there but we i i decided to draw a line in the sand and said this is our milestone we are going to launch at tech week chicago and everyone just pulled together and we did it and the hardest thing for me was it wasn't perfect it wasn't you know the fully realized version of keepsake that i had in my head which the version we're launching this summer at Blogger is m- much closer to that with printing and with collaboration and, and a super easy touch and swipe interface. So there, there'll be highs and lows. And, you know, the, the most important thing you can do is, is to make sure the people that you're working with, that you trust them and that you feel that they are pulling in the same direction as you. And, because the journey itself is, you know, is part of, definitely part of the fun of it. And, yeah. and it's rewarding. That, um, with that, and, and to be rewarding, how do you stay inspired when it comes to what is it that you read or what do you do, like, to stay inspired? You know, some Every of the, day. it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> Well, some days are easier than others, but you know, the the hardest thing I think um, for me is that there's, there's so many things that I want to do and I have a family and, you know, we all have other, other things going on in our lives. So I try to make that time, you know, the most rewarding that I can. So I, you know, when I'm with my kids, I, I just focus on my time with them, but you know, I think about my business all the time. So, you know, as you can't really help yourself, I think, as an entrepreneur, 
from doing that, but you know, I, I make sure I work out every day. I, and honestly, I have some of my best ideas when I'm out running. So I think that that time that you take for yourself or the time you spend with your family or friends is actually time where you're recharging your creativity and it's absolutely essential. And as far as reading goes, I would say a book that I loved and that I read in the very early stage of my entrepreneurial journey is called Rework. And it was a New York Times bestseller. It was by written by Jason Fried and David Heinmeier Hansen, who are the founders of 37 Signals, which is another Chicago company. And it's a is great book. With, not the, against, is that base camp? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Keep it going. Is. No, yeah. it is. It is. <laughs> they were the founders. Their piece of software was Basecamp. So now whether you like Basecamp or not, the, the neat <laughs> thing about, because, you know, there, it has its pros and cons. Yeah. The book isn't about that at all. The book is basically like life advice, you know, for someone who's trying to start a business, thinking about starting a business, running a business. Um, and it's just little bite, bite-sized chunks of, of things that, you know, remind you that, you know, no matter how difficult or challenging something can seem that, you know, that there are ways to get through it. So, you know, one chapter I love was, and, and they're really short is called welcome obscurity. And I, when, when I was, <laughs> Welcome obscurity. When like we, welcome when I was entrepreneurship, welcome obscurity. Yeah, you're so you're in the depths of your despair. Your product isn't launched. You've been working on it for months or years, and you know things are going wrong. And you just think, gosh, you know everybody else has you know has their app in the app store and they're on Oprah or you know whatever. And actually, that that time when you're still sort of under wraps, it's it's a great position to be in. You can use that time to make mistakes. You can test ideas and try new things. So it's basically looking at ways to, you know, make the best of whatever stage you're at in your entrepreneurial journey. Mm, Yeah, definitely need to put that on the list. So, well, Kim, thank you so much for your time and your insight. Before we, we land the plane and wrap up, tell us how, our listeners can get in contact with you, but then also what outlets do we follow Keepsake on? Sure. So you can, in the app store, you can find us, uh, search for Keepsake. Again, it's spelled K-E-E-P-S-A-Y-K. And we are also at keepsake.com. You can also link to the app store from there, but you can also find us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Pinterest. And you can also find me on Twitter at Kim underscore Herod, H-A-R-R-O-D, and also LinkedIn and Facebook. Just search for Kimberly Herod Chicago, and I should be, I should pop up. And uh, love to hear from any of your listeners if I can offer any insights or advice or help them with uh, the toolkit. I call it toolkit when you're <laughs> looking to raise money that you yeah. know, things you need so absolutely so much for having me yeah and I was gonna say too if you guys are listening out there and if any of you guys are going to blogger just like Kim said at the beginning she'll be there um, July 17th and 18th in New York City so definitely connect with her 
We'll put that all in the show notes so you guys can find her as well. And let us know if there's anything, anyone that you would like us to interview. But with that, Kim, thanks again and appreciate your time. Thanks a lot, Amanda. Bye-bye. Bye.